Hi, this is MJ. Welcome to Suddenly Sober. This is my first podcast, podcast number one, day 89 of my sobriety, which I thought was an auspicious day to start this podcast. And um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. This is my first podcast I've ever done. I'm sure that's already super apparent to anyone that's listening. I started it as a way for me to really explore um, the first days of sobriety um, as I move through this very uncharted territory. And I guess to put this in context, when I decided I was going to get sober 89 days ago, it wasn't planned. It was sort of a decision I had to make in the moment, and I will get to that later, but I wasn't planning on spending my summer trying to get sober or getting sober or going to AA meetings. Oh my God, no, that was nowhere on my agenda in no way, shape, or form, but here I am, and um one thing I had noticed in my early days and that continues to sustain me is the blogs and podcasts that I came upon um, really that have not only inspired me, but they've been sort of my guiding light. That's the only way I can put it. Um, I've devoured as much information as I can about sobriety, about alcoholism, about drinking too much. Am I really an alcoholic? Uh, What does it look like? And, oh my God, you can go down the rabbit hole of the amazing podcasts and blogs. They they each lead to something else and you you can spend days um, just hold up reading and listening to these stories because, A, they never get old. And I learn something from every single person that I read or listen to. So I wanted to add my own voice to the mix from somebody who is in the beginning stages of sobriety. And it's already been a bumpy ride. It's starting to smooth out. But I think so much information was uh, given to me um, and that I stumbled upon and just trying to make sense of it all as well as struggle with the emotional and physical and mental kind of aspects of this brand new way of living. So I kind of wanted a way to sort of keep it straight in my head and um, kind of chronicle, I guess, this journey, at least for myself. Whether or not anyone else listens to it, I don't know. But it's going to be my personal journey. And my plan is that I will be interviewing people along the way. Uh, I'm sure at first it'll be people I know from AA or people I know just that drink a lot that might want to quit. But um, we'll see how it goes or where it goes or if it goes anywhere. But here we are. Episode 1. And thanks for joining. Um, So to begin, I do want to say uh, as a disclaimer that I am not in any way, shape, or form associated with 
AA or any recovery program. I'm not speaking for them or for uh, any recovery program whatsoever. This is me, my personal journey. I happen to be attending uh, AA meetings and I have found them very, very helpful. So I am going down that path, but you do you. I am not advocating anything for anyone except myself and trying to get information, gather information and present information as I filter it and try to learn, learn more and process it. So having said that, I do want to kind of touch upon my story and I'm probably going to jump around in this story as episodes, you know, as I go through um, the process of recording. Again, new to this, I'm really kind of winging it and I'm sure that'll become apparent. But um, to start from the beginning, um, again, I'm, I live in Austin, Texas. I moved here five and a half years ago from Portland, Oregon. And I moved during the time when my daughter was in the middle of college and she had gone away to college in Colorado. Um, I have been drinking, uh, however, since I was 16 years old. That was my first drink. I'm sure it was an isolated incident at the time, getting into my friend's parents' liquor cabinet, getting drunk on screwdrivers, but I think that's a pretty common story for a lot of kids. And um, I really started, you know, down the high school drinking path at age 17 pretty regularly. Um, And really, it was kind of game on from that point forward. But in my world, growing up in the late 70s in a small town outside of Portland, that's, that's a way of life. That was high school life. And I'm quite sure that that's still pretty prevalent high school life. I know I'm not, I'm not reaching there to say that by any means, but as I started to get sober and and look back on my early days of drinking, it became super clear. You get this clarity when you're becoming sober that boy, I don't know if it just gets pushed to the side or buried, or you just don't want to look at it. But when I started looking back at my drinking patterns starting from that early age, those patterns, they really established themselves early and, um, they went away a little bit, you know, when, of course, when I, when I was pregnant with my daughter and had my daughter, but my drinking didn't stop. It just continued into more of a cocktail culture and a, you know, mommy, martini nights and and wine Wednesdays Um, and then heavily picked up again after my daughter went to college so that's the very short version of the story Um, and I'm going to sort of skip ahead here to find myself in Austin in April of this year when I needed to make a decision of whether or not I was going to continue drinking So I need to make a correction here. I indeed have been 89 days sober and um, I am super proud of that. It has not been easy, but I didn't start to get sober 89 days ago. I actually had 24 days prior to that 
where I had decided to get sober. And then I went, I guess you call it falling off the wagon. I don't know. I made a decision to have a drink one night and that led to five nights. And I restarted, I reset. So I actually started in April and um, I went 24 days again and then five days I drank and then started again and this is the 89th day of that second try. So that is not to say I haven't had probably a hundred moments of knowing that I needed to cut back long before this. But I'm going to um, maybe just explain for, I think this is probably what this episode will be, um, what brought me to this this suddenly sober moment in my life in uh, April of this year. So um, what had happened is that I had, I have, I think like a lot of people who drink a lot, I know, um, my bouts of depression, I definitely have struggled with it on and off most of my adult life. I wouldn't say that I had a lot of uh, depressive episodes in my 20s or even my early 30s, but as time went on, um, I know I, I had times in my life that I was struggling. I think it was probably more situational, usually financial and relationship oriented. But regardless, um, I had definitely tried antidepressants, I know, at some point when I was in my 30s, my late 30s. And so I didn't like it, hated them, promised myself I would never go back on those again. But this, you know, again, I'm jumping all around, but this particular, um, this particular winter has been a really brutal one for me. It was, I think, a combination of things in that I was laid off from my job in 2016. I made a decision to go back to school um, that year. I spent a year in school and trying to piece together my income. And so things had been sort of, for the past, I would say, almost two years, sort of, I've been kind of hanging on and really um, struggling quite a bit, not only financially, but with what am I going to do with my life kind of situations, um, getting older, missing my daughter, wondering if I had made the right life decisions, you know, things of that nature that we all struggle with. And I, one of the main reasons I moved to Austin from Portland was that I definitely have self-diagnosed myself with SAD, that sad thing where you're so affected by the weather and by, um, you know, cloudy days and rainy days and gloomy days. And in Austin this year, we had a hell of a shitty winter. It was just a not our usual sunny Austin weather where we're 80 degrees one day, 50 the next. I mean, it was cold and dreary. We actually had snow and that just exacerbated uh, my depressive state. And you know, anyone who's been through depression, you know what it's like. You struggle every day and you can try to will yourself to feel better. That doesn't work. I am a very healthy person aside from the drinking. I exercise. I eat really well for the most part. Um, 
I really try to do good habits and meditate and not watch, you know, depressing news. And, but you know, it's, it's a physiological aspect of my life. It's something I, anyway, this isn't a depression podcast, so I'm not going to get all into that, but I just spent this winter basically, um, I could barely get out of bed some days. I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live. And every day was a struggle. There were days I I could barely get out of bed till, you know, 11 or 12 o'clock. And at the same time this was happening, my sweet baby girl, Golden Retriever, had um, gotten sick and I knew her days were were limited and it was a it was an extremely difficult time and there were days bless her heart that the only thing that got me out of bed was knowing I had to take care of of my my baby girl my little golden um she was 10 and um she was diagnosed just briefly in uh, December with with tumors and she lived a few more weeks she passed away in February and so after she passed away, it was an extremely emotional and difficult time. As anyone who's ever gone through the death of a pet, it's my first time ever experiencing that. So that was all new territory for me. I don't know if the 10th time would be any easier. Anyway, it was just a tough, 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 tough winter. And I really tried to keep it together, tried to keep things together, but I was flailing. And about, I guess it was in, um, I guess it was in, well, it was in early April. Um, I went into the doctor for an unrelated thing. I went in for a, a, a test of some kind. This was a new doctor I'd never seen before. And I was sitting there on her examining table and just completing this test kind of situation and she just casually asked me if there was anything else that I wanted to talk about. And I said, well, I actually have been a little depressed this winter. And boy, the floodgates opened at that moment. I just burst out crying, started crying. And um, I feel like my tears are always like this close to the surface. But it doesn't take much for the tears to start coming. But... Um, we, uh, I kind of just laid it all out there and tried to express to her that I did not want to go on antidepressants. And, and by the way, I'm not advocating for or against anyone to go on antidepressants. I'm just telling you my story. So she suggested that I try uh, one that I hadn't tried before. And I told her that I would only do it if there were no side effects and I could live my life normally and not have any you know, the icky, you know, head spins or brain fuzzies or sexual side effects or the numerous other, you know, I didn't want something messing with my brain that much, but I just wanted to feel better. I was so desperate to feel better, truly desperate. And so she prescribed something for me and I thought I've, I've got to do this. I've got to try to save my life because I was scared of where I was headed mentally. And um, I love life, you know, I don't, I wanted to live, I don't want to die. So I was willing to try it. 
So fast forward, I get home, make myself a cocktail. It's probably two in the afternoon, but that was becoming normal for me. Being um, unemployed for so long and not having gotten a regular job again, an eight to five, I kind of made my own hours. So afternoon cocktails are becoming kind of a normal. Made myself a vodka tonic with a little splash of cranberry and stood over my kitchen sink with my bottle of pills, antidepressants in one hand, my cocktail in the other, and I started reading the label. And, you know, I'm kind of a dunce when it comes to this sort of thing. You really have to hit me over the head. But I started looking at the label that said, do not take with alcohol. Well, that was one of my what the fuck moments. Um, And I'm just going to tell you right now, I swear I will try to curtail it. But yeah, there's some swear words going to happen here. Um, So what the fuck? I did not plan on giving up booze. No way. No how. Um, Stood there with that drink, looking at the label, went to my computer, did my quick Google search. Is this really true? You know, do people drink and take this pill? Um, has it been known to really cause seizures or, or what have you? Well, um, I stood there and I thought, you know, this is really a come to Jesus for me. I am trying to save my life here. What the hell am I trying to save my life for if I'm going to continue to drink and take an antidepressant at the same time? I really need to take this seriously. It felt like a life or death moment for me. It, you know, someone, someone probably a week later, a friend that I was, I was telling this story to told me, you know, MJ, that was a divine intervention. Well, looking back now, I absolutely agree with that. Um, But at the time I was pissed. I was mad. I did not want to give up my, my drinks. I love my drinks. I mean, it surrounded everything I did here in Austin. Absolutely every aspect of life here. My life and all my friends revolves around booze and drinking. Doesn't matter what time of day or night, what day of the week. Giving that up was like giving up my best friend. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, it felt like giving up my best friend. But I stood at that kitchen sink And I poured that drink down the sink and I thought, I'm going to try to save my life. So that was day one of the first 24-day effort to quit drinking. So during that period of time, um, that 24-day period, um, I did, that's when I really started asking some deeper questions. Um, I had not gone 24 days without a drink in, honest to God, I don't remember how long. It was probably some time when my daughter was very young. She's 26 now, so do the math. Probably when she was in her early, early elementary school years. I can't even remember. So 24 days was a long ass time for me to go without a drink. And 
yeah, I had the headaches. I don't think I had any other kind of withdrawal symptoms, but I certainly had a massive headache. And what I would do is I would lay in bed and at night pull up my iPad and start reading about going without alcohol 10 days. Um, you know, how long does it take to feel good again after you quit drinking? Um, anyone who's drank too much and wondered if they drink too much, I'm sure you've all done all the Google searches that I've done. The, am I an alcoholic? Do I have a drinking problem? Um, what is it like to be 60 days or 30 days or 90 days without booze? And, and then wondering how in the hell do people do that? So I was online a lot looking at, I think my first blog I went to was, I, and I don't remember what I keyed in, but the site I brought up was Hip Sobriety. And that was my first rabbit hole I went down. And I was, you know, it was one of my holy shit, you know, kind of moments. This girl could be me. I could be this girl, this woman. And that was only the beginning. I started, you know, once you, once you open that world, there are a multitude of amazing, like I said earlier, amazing blogs you can read. And I think one of the big things for me in sort of, do I have a drinking problem? Am I an alcoholic? You know, that word, that word, um, puts people off. It's just so, um, associated with such, you know, achiness in most of our minds. Um, I didn't want to be that. But when I started reading these blogs, I saw myself. These were women, especially women that looked like me, that talked like me, that had lives like me. And I knew you know, they were the ones I get, I, I cannot even express my gratitude for all of those, those women. And, and I'm going to get to them later, but my thinking started turning around in that moment. And I would spend night after night after night reading as much as I could and getting as much information as I could. And it started normalizing it for me, making me understand in a way I never had before, that it wasn't about whether or not I was called an alcoholic. It was that my behaviors and the amount I had drank and the length of time I had been a drinker and a heavy drinker and the episodes that I was reading about on their blogs, I had a problem. Whether you call it alcoholism, whatever, you know, it was a big ass problem that I had been Really, I knew I had it for quite a long time. I just, I don't think I really wanted to admit how bad it had gotten. And it was because of those those stories that I, I kept reading that resonated. And I just felt like I was looking in a mirror. And, uh, you know, so that also started me down a path of looking at my past. Looking, you know, without alcohol to numb out every night or you know, um, having people over to party and I was left with a lot of free time. And I really, for the first time, I think really started looking back deeply into my history 
and how messy a relationship with alcohol I, I've, I had and for such a long time. Not, you know, every day wasn't a, you know, every day wasn't a drink fast. It wasn't like that, but, you know, there were enough. There were a lot. Um, I wasn't a blackout drinker, but I have had more episodes of shame and regret than I care to remember. And boy, when you're not drinking, they come flooding back at you. And so I started getting pretty concerned around that time. And I thought, I really, really need for this to end. I need to be sober. I do believe I need to give up alcohol, probably forever. But let's just see how it goes. At the time, I thought, I'm just going to go, you know, I'm going to try to go a month. I'm going to try to go maybe 60 days if I do well in a month. And at the time, I was really not telling anyone or admitting to barely myself. I was doing this secretly kind of at night reading all of this. And then, uh, or during the day when I had a break, but I wasn't talking about it. I was just kind of mulling it over thinking, I think this is me. But to the outside world, you know, to my friends, to my daughter, I'm like, I'm just going to take a little break. Just take a little break, get healthy, reset, you know, and then maybe I'll go back to one drink a week or two drinks a week or, you know, drink on the weekends, you know, that kind of talk. And so that's really, um, you know, where, where I was headed. I took a weekend trip up to Oregon to see my daughter, told them I wouldn't be drinking, and I didn't. I was super proud of myself. I uh, got through the whole weekend with, you know, sporting events and dinners and friends over and didn't have anything to drink, um, alcohol-wise. Alcohol got back to Austin, and I remember uh, very clearly it was when a friend was in town for a show, and her and, and myself and several more friends were meeting up at one of our local bars before we caught an Uber out to this show. And I remember telling a friend, I, I don't know, I think it's going to be kind of hard for me not to drink tonight, but I'm determined to stick with it. Well, I got to that bar for the pre-function and I think it was five minutes before I ordered myself a vodka tonic. I was like, fuck it, I'm drinking. This is not going to be any fun without a drink. So I had two drinks there, got to the show, had a couple more, probably doubles. And then I'm sure I probably had a couple more when I got, oh, no, we went to a bar afterwards. Of course, I had another one at the bar, um, came home, sure, I had a good night drink. So that was on Saturday. On a Sunday, it was a going away party for another friend. Uh, more drinks for several hours. I think Monday I might have just had a cocktail at home by myself. Maybe took one day off Thursday, Tuesday, but then dinner with a friend on Wednesday. Had to have a couple of pre-drinks before dinner. After all, I was drinking again, so might as well continue. Um, I was really excited to be drinking again. I was like, thank God that's over, that experiment. Didn't have any effects with the antidepressant I was taking. So I was fine, and several friends told me, I take that antidepressant and drink heavily. So I kind of figured I was okay. And went out to dinner this Wednesday night. Again, two drinks before I went out, had two drinks at dinner. And something in me clicked, something shifted. 
it was the next morning and I texted that friend and I said, you know, I'm really ashamed of myself. I'm really mad at myself for drinking last night at dinner. And she said, you know, you only had two drinks. And I said, well, I had two before you even picked me up. And I said, I feel like I'm just, I'm just starting all over again. I, nothing's changed. Nothing's any different. And I said, I just feel like with all I know now, with all the reading I've been doing over the last three weeks and seeing how easily I can slip back into this, I really need to, I need to quit. I need to absolutely quit. So I made my second attempt, which is this attempt to quit and got horribly, horribly sick. Um, I had a headache that my head felt like it was going to split in two and the chills and the shakes and a fever and, and, and that, you know, I went to the doctor a couple of days in and apparently I had some sort of bacterial infection, but I'm convinced those headaches were because of the booze and I, I, or the not drinking. And this was a, a different doctor, same medical group. And I said, you know, do you think these headaches have anything to do with me not drinking or quitting drinking? So that led to a longer conversation. And I explained to her kind of everything I've told you up to this point, which I'm going to wrap up very quickly. Um, and she said, you know, I really think you need to go. I suggest that you go to uh, AA meetings and just go to... Um, two meetings, three times each, because they're very different. You know, just go and listen. Uh, well, I was horrified. Um, but I listened, and I went home and thought about it for about three weeks and um, finally made a decision that I didn't want to go back to her for a follow-up without at least checking one meeting out. Um, took me a few drive-bys before I walked into one, because I was so terrified, but I walked in, and uh, I haven't really looked back. Well, that's not true. I look back all the time, but right now I'm not going back, and I will delve a bit deeper into that, you know, that moment, that first meeting. There's so much that led up to it. Um, I'm trying to give the overview of kind of how I got suddenly sober, hoping to stay sober. Um, by the way, just because I'm saying suddenly sober doesn't mean I expect to always be. I hope to be by the grace of God or your higher power or what have you. But that is my desire as of today, my 89th day of sobriety. And I will pick up again. Um, not sure how often I'll do this, probably at least once a week. And um, next week, I hope to bring somebody else in on the conversation. So I wish you um, a very, very good night. And know that if you are listening and you're struggling with any of this, if any of what I have said resonates with you in any way, you are not alone. Whether you're a guy or a girl or old or young, you are not alone. You are in very good company. I know our stories may, may differ, but we have more similarities than you think. And um, I hope that if anything I said you can relate to, I, I hope you'll come back and that um, you'll find this a place 
of information and of compassion and that somebody cares about you. So good night and I will talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye.